Welcome to Changes in Latitudes, a transgender experience. A 40-something gender queer person shares their observations, life stories, and the adventures of their journey through transition and beyond. And now, here's your host, the creator of it all, Charlie Sabrina Miller. Hey, 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 hello, hello. Welcome back to another great episode of Changes in Latitudes, a transgender experience. I am the hostess with the mostest, Charlie Sabrina Miller. And now let's listen to that band. Yeah. Oh, they're so good. They are so good. I swear they get better every week. They do. Oh, they do. They do. This week our band is Catsup. It's not Ketchup. Huh? And longtime listeners, probably binge listeners more so than anyone else, are going to get that reference. That was a throwback, a callback to episode 90, where I had Ketchup, not Catsup. <laughs> hey, I'm crazy that way. You know, you should know that by now at episode 95, folks. Hey, welcome back. How are you? This week, topic is significant others of trans people. Ooh, heavy topic. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And we'll get to that in just a moment. We also have another one of the 20 jokes so terrible, they're actually funny. This week, we are on number nine, chugging right along. And if you missed the last episode, we renamed, we finally renamed the secondary topic. It is now called Over on the B-Side. That's right, Over on the B-Side. I'm going to talk about, ooh, some thoughts about crossing paths with other trans people. <laughs> Just my observations and crazy thoughts, you know me by now. <laughs> and of course, we're going to have some listener feedback. So welcome new listeners. Welcome, welcome one and all. Welcome aboard this crazy train ride. If you've selected this particular episode to be the first episode in your experience of this podcast, this show, <laughs> well, that's probably a good one. I, I, I don't know yet because I haven't recorded the rest of the show. I record it pretty linear, so I can't say what what's going to happen here, but... By the topic alone, I'm hoping it's going to be a goddamn good episode. So welcome aboard, new listeners. Welcome back, binge listeners, return listeners, sporadic listeners. However you're listening, if this is your second or more episode that you've listened to, you are a returning listener, and I love you for it. Thanks for coming back. Now, before we get into anything, let's briefly chat about last episode, number 94. <laughs> 94, is being trans a trend? Well, the short answer is no. No, it's not. It may seem like a trend because more and more trans people are proud of being trans and they are out about it. So to the person who is maybe cis or not aware of the trans community, it may seem like a trend. You know, all of a sudden all these people are coming out as transgender, changing their genders. What crazy thing's going on here? What crazy trend is this? No, you're wrong. It's not a trend. We've always been there. We're just now out and proud. I also want to say briefly thank you. Thank you for everyone that wrote back to me in regards to episode 92. Thank you so, so very much. It 
blew me away. It overwhelmed me. I was shocked and surprised by all the response. And I said so much last episode, but I got to say it again. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you all so much for being there. Now, you can find us on the web over at changesinlatitudespodcast.blogspot.com. That's where everything's kind of housed. You can find all the show notes for all the episodes. There's a player where you can listen to all the episodes. There's a link to iTunes, a link to Stitcher, the Amazon affiliate link. Do all your shopping through our Amazon affiliate link. The next time you're thinking about shopping on Amazon, go to changesinlatitudespodcast.blogspot.com. Click on the Amazon link. Now, if you're using a mobile device, you may have to say... View full website, just a little heads up for you folks out there. But click on that Amazon link. If you're on a mobile device, it'll actually open up your Amazon app and shop to your heart's content. And then pennies on the dollar, come back and help out the show. So please do your Amazon shopping through our affiliate link. There's also a PayPal donate button. If that's your poison of choice, you can always do that. There is a link to Facebook or just go to facebook.com slash changes in latitudes podcast. If you want to send me an email, changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at CIL Podcast. And then while you're out there, consider supporting the show through Patreon. Patreon.com slash changesinlatitudespodcast. This particular episode, episode number 95, is brought to us by a brand new patron, Christopher J. Christopher, thank you so, so very much for being a patron. All right, I think the housekeeping's out of the way. Let's move into the main topic. Main topic. This main topic, significant others of trans people. Now, I will say, I did try to get my wife on this episode, but with our schedules and babysitting duties and work and all those other wonderful things to make the world go around, it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> this episode would be very late if, uh, <laughs> late in publishing, I should say, if, uh, if I had, was able to get her on board. But I do promise I'm trying to get her on board for another episode. I promise. I promise she'll be around again. I know you folks have been asking. Believe me, I've been asking at least two or three times as many times as you have. So eventually we're going to get her. I promise. Even though this topic would be perfect... Unfortunately, I couldn't get her. This topic was inspired by uh, a friend of mine, actually, who is the partner of a trans woman. Uh, they were together before the trans woman came out. So, you know, the, the typical scenario of a heterosexual couple now becoming lesbian, at least outwardly lesbian, because the male partner, the male-born partner is transitioning to female, so trans woman. Okay, we can all figure out that story right there. We've heard it probably many times before, <laughs> at least on this show, if not many other shows. And she wrote to me when I sent out a message on Facebook saying, hey, friends, family, fans, followers, you know, all you people who actually care what I have to say <laughs> on Facebook, that is, what should I talk about on the show? And she wrote back, and I'm going to keep this all anonymous so, so nobody knows, you know, who they are except for the people who know who they are. Hope that made sense. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, she wrote to me, and the reason we're ch choosing this topic is because Significant others of trans people who, who are there from the beginning. That's the key point here, folks. They're here from the beginning. They're not somebody who becomes a partner of the trans person, you know, during transition or after transition. I mean, they're important too. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But they kind of already know what they're getting into. 
in the sense of, you know, getting together with someone and then that someone comes out as trans, that's not what, you know, was in the, in the books when you got together. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a monkey wrench thrown into the works. So you got to, you know, roll with the punches sort of thing. That's what I'm talking about. That, that particular group of individuals, and, I, and it, it's for trans men and trans women. So I'm talking about males and females, cis males, cis females, right, who are with trans people who begin their transition while they're a couple. And then that person that sticks around as well. They are one of the extreme minorities in the trans community that I personally feel don't get a lot of attention. Because usually when the trans person comes out, most people in, in their circles of friends and family and such are, yay, to the trans person. Good for you for finding yourself. Good for you for following your heart. Good for you for being yourself. Good for you for standing out on your own. Meanwhile, the significant other who has just been, you know, dropped this bombshell of, you know, what am I going to do? I, my, my thoughts of this relationship are now completely different. You know, we're going from a, from a heterosexual couple to a outwardly looking homosexual couple. And that, that goes for trans men, trans women. You know, I mean... If there's a man and a woman, you know, cis man, cis woman that get together and the woman comes out as a trans man, well, that couple's now going to look outwardly as a gay couple, gay man couple. And on the other side of the coin, when a cis man and a cis woman get together and then the man comes out as trans, well, there's now a cis woman and a trans woman. So outwardly, they're going to look like a lesbian couple, right? So that changes the whole dynamic of the relationship in the eyes of the significant other. And so that's a burden that... I don't want to say a burden, but that is a, a boulder, you know, a weight to carry that they got to figure out. And there's not enough support for it out there in the trans community. So I'm asking you folks out there, you listeners, do what you can in your communities to show those significant others who are sticking around through the thick and the thin of it that they matter, that they are important, and that their struggle, their journey, their transition is just as important, if not maybe more important, than the trans person's transition. Because that person is essentially forced into transition. They're not, they're not you know, it's not something they've been seeking. It's something that, that's just happening around them. So they need more support than what's given. And I think in time it'll be there. But you folks, the significant others, the ones that I'm talking about in this particular episode... You need to speak up. You need to get to your local LGBT center, and you need to speak up and say, look, significant others of trans people, you know, going through the transition, need support. Now, my friend that wrote me wrote, body positivity when you have a dysphoria. That's, that's a, almost a universal thing. It, it, you, if you go out there and you anonymously poll everybody, cis, trans, male, female, whatever you are, I guarantee somebody is not going to like some part of their body, whether they think their ears are too big or their nose are too big or the eyes are too far apart or their eyes are too close together or their hairline's receding or maybe they don't like how much weight they have on their body. Maybe they wish they were a little more muscular. Maybe they wish they were taller. Maybe they wish they were shorter. Uh, so maybe they wish their hair was thicker. Maybe they wish their hair was finer. 
you know, maybe they wish their feet were smaller so they could buy cuter shoes. I mean, the, 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 just, the, the gambit is huge. It's huge out there. It's spoken about a lot more in the trans community because it is an obviously in-your-face issue. You know, you're born, with, you're born with a body you don't like, and you're trying to get the body that you do want, so that makes perfect sense. But everybody out there, trans or not, has some sort of body dysphoria. It's part of human nature. And I, and I think I've spoken about this in past episodes. I blame uh, commercials and marketing for that. You know, marketing, t- t- commercials telling us we're not good enough unless we buy that product. You know, our teeth are not white enough. Our skin is not clear enough. Our hair is not bouncy enough. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. I blame that for that. She also continues, coping with the forbidden sense of loss as you transition. And that's what I was speaking about a moment ago. A couple where one individual comes out as trans, the non-trans person, their world is turned upside down. It's that loss of, of the person that you, you know, thought you were going to be with and now is essentially the same person, but they're different because their gender is different, how they interact in society is different, how society interacts with them, how they carry themselves, how they interact with others. I mean, it's a change. It's a aha transition. And she continues with, you know, the strength, the power, the perception of ability, the quote-unquote voice of God or voice of dad, that sort of big booming voice, you know, that one that scares the toddler from not walking into the oven. So, you know, that sort of thing on Thanksgiving sort of thing. You know, that voice that stops the animals and stops the kids in their tracks. Well, usually when the male partner comes out as trans and transitions to trans woman, that booming voice of God, as, as she put it, that dad voice, as she put it, is, I don't want to say it's gone, because in, if anybody knows anything out there, I've said this before, for trans women, the voice is not affected. If, if the individual person you know born male has gone through the second stages of of puberty you know where the voice starts to change hormones do not change the voice however on the other side of the coin when a woman comes out as trans and is a trans man and is on uh hrt specifically testosterone yes the voice changes because that's what testosterone does testosterone enlarges the vocal uh cords and and folds and larynx and everything and you know, it's the same thing that a guy goes through when they get their Adam's apple and their voice drops down to their knees. That happens with testosterone. It does not happen with uh, estrogen or progesterone or any HRT things that happen with a trans woman. So any trans woman has to work at their voice unless they started to transition before they hit that secondary stage of puberty and their voice drops. Okay, I hope everybody understands what I'm saying. So the voice capability is still there for a trans woman who's, tr- who's transitioning after, you know, secondary puberty. So that voice could still be there. However, the trans woman may not want to use it because it is a dead giveaway of their past, of their masculine past. And being a person like that myself, because if you can tell, I've got one of those big booming voices. I'm sure many of my listeners have figured that out by now. Um... <laughs> But uh, it's there. It's always there, but it's an out. So, you know, you can't really do it if you're out in public because you're going to out yourself. Wow, that woman sounds like a man. 
know? I do want to interject here and say, I think in the very near future, especially as the knowledge of transgender people gets more well-known, when more people understand the basic process of transition, what I just explained, the whole thing about hormones in the voice, when the general population understands that, the fact that a trans woman has a naturally lower range voice, I think is going to be a lot more accepted out in society because it's going to be part of the norm. It's going to be part of the norm. Okay, so that's a trans woman. Yeah, she's going to have a, a lower octave voice. Who cares? It doesn't matter. But that voice of God, that, vo that dad voice that my friend was talking about, may not be something that the trans woman wants to use or or show because it's an out and it's a reminder of the past that's a fine that's a fine line you know so should should there be some you know thing that happens i don't know i can't say me i say you're born with your voice you're given your voice anytime somebody tries to change their voice it's going to have unless you work really hard with a vocal coach or a vocal teacher or you yourself understand how the voice works you know that's your education that's your background unless you're that close to the vocal cords we'll say the understanding of how voices work unless you're really close to it it takes a lot of work to really make a voice sound non-affected to sound very authentic to sound very grounded and natural and, uh, I mean, even actors have this problem. Remember back in the day, way back in the day, in the 90s, I want to say late 80s, early 90s, I wanna, I'm not quite sure, and I'm not going to look it up, but the, the Kevin Costner version of Robin Hood, that man, now he's, he's a decent actor. I've seen him in some stuff where I've really liked him. I've seen him in some stuff where I've really hated him, and I've seen some stuff where I've tolerated him. So across the gambit, you know, he's, he's a decent actor. He's not the greatest. He's not the worst. He's right in that middle ground. However, that Robin Hood Prince of Thieves movie had to have been one of his worst movies. I don't know the story. I don't know why it happened, but he goes in and out of his dialect accent constantly throughout that movie it could be it could be where it was filmed in the in the you know when you anybody knows anything about making movies they're filmed usually filmed out of sequence so if he starts working with a vocal coach the first scenes he films may not have a strong dialect whereas if he continues to work with a dialect coach the scenes that are filmed last will have or should have a stronger dialect because he's been working with that person for you know a couple months three months six weeks whatever it is so i have a feeling that's probably what happened but nonetheless there's a great a great exercise to to watch and see how he goes in and out of an accent well the same is true for a trans voice the accent he puts on, the accent any actor or actress puts on is an affectation of their actual voice. Some are much better at it than others. For example, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks does a great job because he makes it his own. He makes it sound natural. He makes it sound purposeful. It's not affected. It's natural. Uh, Meryl Streep is another one. Meryl Streep and her dialects are goddamn spot on. 
And she, those two just happen to have that natural ability, that natural understanding of how to manipulate their voice. Uh, if you've heard episodes in the past, like, uh, what is it, number five, I think, The Voices in My Head, and then a few episodes ago, I don't know, somewhere in the last ten episodes, I brought in some of my voices as well that I do. And, you know, in that same realm, I know I'm not 100% perfect. I know that somebody that's listening to me can still hear me in my dialects that I perform. I understand that because I try to make it as natural sounding as possible. I don't make it sound cartoonish, which is where a lot of it can end up. So there's that whole voice thing. Everybody's different. It all depends on your body, how you understand and how, how you can use your body and your ear. You know, some people have a very musical ear. Some people have perfect pitch, so they, they can hear when something's out. Some people can't. That's just nature. That's just normal. That's how life goes. Some people can hear it. Some people can't. So dependent upon the individual trans person, who trans woman specifically, who's trying to work on their voice, it can be really easy if you understand the dynamics of voice, or it could be very hard if you don't. So you've got that whole learning curve there. Well, that's a lot of work for whoever it's going to be, which is why I think a lot of people are just going to use their natural voice, maybe throw it up an octave, maybe keep it up in their head voice a little bit and sound a little softer and, and just kind of be there, you know what I'm talking about? Like this kind of realm of where my voice would fall? That's, that's what I'm talking about because that'll work for them. And maybe they don't have the money or the time to commit to a vocal coach or vocal teacher or voice coach or whatever it may be for that individual. They just may not. Maybe that individual's tone deaf. Maybe that individual is tone deaf and they can't hear any difference in the musicality of the voice, which helps a lot with dialects and affectations and things like that. So there's a lot of factors out there about getting a good voice for a trans woman. So I say, cut the crap. Don't work so hard on it. Use your natural voice. Be who you are. Be natural. Maybe throw it up a little bit so it doesn't cause a lot of attention, maybe? Maybe? But in the end, be who you are. So now, my tangent there on voices. So now my friend continues. Does or should a long-term partner, a significant other, have a say in the course of transition? Is there room for compromise? She, she gives an example. Her experience with hormones, because, you know, she herself has taken birth control, which is a form of hormone replacement therapy, uh, it says to not change your look, you know, like drastically go through a nose job or get your ears done, or sometimes they say not to get your hair done in the very beginning because you don't know how it's going to affect the hormones on your body. And... She's concerned about starting, you know, her partner starting HRT and doing laser hair treatment at the same time. Uh, you know, she's, she's unsure if that's a good idea. And, you know, from the little bit of reading I've done out there, from the few people that I've spoken to, it's kind of a 50-50. There are people that say, yeah, laser hair, don't worry about it, doesn't matter, it's not going to, HRT is not going to affect it. Others say... Yes, it will affect it because it's going to start changing the uh, coarseness, the thickness of the hair follicle, which in turn will affect laser hair treatment or electrolysis. Because electrolysis and laser hair 
dependent upon uh, work, dependent upon two different things. The color of the hair, the darker the hair and the lighter the skin, the better the results. So gray hair, blonde hair on a blonde, you know, blonde or olive complexion is not going to be affected by laser as much as dark hair, black hair, brown hair is going to be affected. Um, Sadly, those of darker complexion, dark, dark complexion, whether they be Latino or uh, African-American or so, so many, uh, you know, things out there for that, laser hair may not, laser hair removal may not work very well because the skin has so much pigment. The second thing that, ma- that uh, matters with laser hair removal, and to my understanding, brief understanding as far as electrolysis goes, is the coarseness, the thickness of the hair. The more predominant hair follicle there is, the better results for laser because the laser will pick up on it. Well, depending on the HRT regime, the hair follicles may start shrinking and receding and changing as they do with HRT. So to answer the question, should you have laser hair removal and uh, electrolysis while you're starting HRT? In my personal opinion, probably not. I think it would be a better idea to, to at least get the preliminary uh, six or eight weeks of laser hair treatment out of the way first to take care of all that before you start your first HRT. Because, from again, from what I've read and what I've heard from people, before you really see any big changes with HRT, it takes about six months. I mean, that's the average. There are There are always exceptions to the rule. Believe me, I know that. But, but from what I remember, six months. So you go through your six or eight weeks tr- or six or eight treatments of laser hair removal. Then you start your HRT. And then you continue on with whatever else you need as far as hair removal, whether it be electrolysis or more laser hair removal, depending upon your skin type and hair type and hair color and all those things I just mentioned. So, so as far as HRT and hair removal goes, I'm on the side of weight, Get the hair done first before the skin changes, before the hair changes. Get it out of the way and then start your HRT. But that's just me. And like I said, everybody's different. Everybody's got a different story, different journey. And I am not the one that's constantly right. You know, I'm not right. I'm just giving my opinion. Now, let's go back to her question about should or does a long-term partner have a say in the course of transition Is there room for compromise? Well, that is dependent upon the relationship, in my opinion. Um, I've heard so many times, and I'm sure you folks have heard it too, that uh, coming out and transitioning is a selfish process. And it is because you're changing yourself. You're taking care of yourself. That is a a selfish thing to do. You're putting yourself in front of others. No matter what you try to do and balance yourself out, yourself is coming first because you're making this step. It's just part of the nature of the beast of it. Uh, and yes, yes, individuals can fight that and, and, and not be selfish about it. And that's where the compromise comes in. I personally feel that a relationship is compromise. A relationship is negotiation. A relationship is talking about each other's needs and wants and desires and reaching a common ground in a common area. But I also see the fact that the individual trans person has waited however long they've waited to be able to come out, be able to take those steps towards transition, 
to become their true self, their, the self that they want to be, the self that they are, the self that they have seen themselves as for all their life. However you want to put it, people put it so many different ways. But my personal opinion, to keep that relationship together, and, and this can be for non-trans related things. This can be totally non-trans related as well. Compromise, negotiation. So, for example, let's just say that in, in, in a non-trans couple, whether it's homosexual or not, doesn't matter, just a non-trans couple, so there's no trans person in the couple, let's just say one of the individuals wants to go uh, camping for a week, you know, by themselves, you know, out in the wilderness, camping for a week, that's their thing, okay? Well, the other individual is left home alone, whether there's children or pets or, or roommates or whatever the situation is. They're left home alone for that week. Well, they need to find something to do for that week because their partner is gone for a week. So they figure out what they're going to do. Well, in that figuring out what to do, maybe it would be better if that person didn't go on a, a week-long you know, camping trip. Maybe, that, maybe it would be better if that person went on a four-day or a five-day camping trip instead of a seven-day or eight-day trip, you know? There's compromise. There's negotiation. Because then both individuals get what they want. The individual gets to go camping, maybe not as long as they would want, but they still get to go camping. And the individual that didn't want them to go camping gets them back sooner than said they would be back. So there's a, you know, a hypothetical, you know, uh, compromise. Well, the same is true for transitioning folks and i know i've heard from a few listeners out there that they're they have taken on a lower hrt regime because of their partner's wishes because of their partner's compromise desires and negotiations well that's two individuals working towards a common goal while everybody remains as happy as they can be so to answer your question yes i feel that the long-term partner you know, if they're going to be that long-term partner and stick around, they should have a, they absolutely should have a say in the transitional matter. Absolutely. Because that's part of the compromise. That's part of the, the negotiation of a relationship, that, that dynamic of a relationship. So, yeah, that's my opinion. Um, because if the individual doesn't compromise... Well, they're basically telling that partner, no, I don't care about your thoughts, your wishes, your desires. I'm going to do what I need to do and to hell with you. Well, that's not healthy. That's not, that's not good. <laughs> so, yeah, they should have a say in it. And she continues on into the end saying, part of my family cut me off because of my partner's transition. Well, that's pretty typical. I, I, I'm so sorry to hear that, but that is pretty typical. I know there is guilt about it. Should there be? Well, guilt is, uh, guilt is a hard thing. Because, yes, I understand why the individual would, you know, the family would cut you off because, you know, you, you and your individual, you know, you and your partner who's trans, you know, I'm speaking to my friends here. Again, your family was not expecting to have a lesbian couple they were expecting to have you know your typical couple man woman and child etc etc dog and cat and you know white picket fence and all that stuff so so i am sorry that your your family has cut you off i'm sorry that they're so small-minded and close-minded um 
it's sad to hear that that's still out there in the world now at, uh, you know, 2016, halfway through 2016. I, I do feel that'll change in time. Uh, it's going to take a little more time than I'd like it to with our culture and society, but I do think it is going to change. Um, as far as the guilt goes, I don't think you, the significant other, should feel guilty at all because you're, you can't control how your family responds. Um, you can do what you can to make amends. You can do what you can to be the only one in, you know, connection with them, leaving your trans partner out of it. Uh, even though that trans partner is still going to be there, you know, I mean, that's kind of a shitty thing to do to the trans partner, but you know, let's talk about compromise, you know, some relationship with your family versus no relationship with your family. It depends. It's, it's a case by case scenario. Sometimes, sadly, writing off family members who don't follow your own beliefs, thoughts, feelings, etc. might be a healthy thing. Because in the end, they're just going to pull you down. They're just going to drag you down and you're not going to be content or happy or whatever because you're always going to have a facade in, in, to deal with there. It's the same thing that happens in the movie The Birdcage, right? Uh, if you haven't seen that movie, go see it. Fucking on phenomenal movie. Go. Go right... Well, not right now. But when this episode's over, go. Watch it. Fantastic movie. There's a spot, and it's based on uh, uh, Le Cage There's a spot in there. There's It's two gay men, and one of the gay men had a child uh, with, obviously, a woman beforehand, and uh, has been raising that child. The gay couple has been raising that child as their own, so the child knows these two men as dad and dad or mom and dad or however the labels you know individually work for them. In the movie, it's a mom and a dad as, uh, situation because one of them is more effeminate than the other. And when the child is getting engaged and is you know bringing his fiance and her family over to meet the family, he's ashamed of his gay parents. So they send the effeminate man off away and <laughs> clean out the gayness from the apartment and make it look like a straight home and then because it's a movie comedy ensues and i don't want to ruin it for anybody if you haven't seen it yet but it's such a fun movie nathan lane robin williams gene hackman diane weist uh calissa flockhart and i can't think of the gentleman's name who uh plays the son off the top of my head but fantastic movie go and watch it if you haven't seen it now i bring that up because I knew of a gay couple, two, two, two gay men, and they were both you know, not, it wasn't like the birdcage, Nathan Lane's character being overly effeminate, that, that wasn't the scenario for these two gentlemen. Uh, in fact, both of them were on the more masculine, I don't want to say macho side, but they were on the more masculine side. If you met them outside of, uh, of, you know, of each other, <laughs> if you met them away from the uh, LGBT community, you, you might not you might not guess that they're gay. Maybe, depending on your individual gaydar, as they say. But that's neither here nor there. Sadly, when one of the persons, one of the partners, when their family came to town, the other partner had to go stay in the guest room, and they had to change the stuff around in the living room and whatever it was in the house to make it appear as if they were roommates and not a gay couple 
and what's what's very sad is uh the family probably already knew the family probably already knew but it's one of those elephants in the living room that they just didn't talk about nobody you know don't ask don't tell just come and visit for a day or two and leave so we can go back to our normal lives and and this these 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 two men are probably oh about twenty plus years older than I am, so it's a whole different generation. So I understand why that compromise worked for them. I get it. That worked for them. It worked for them for I don't remember how long they've been together for thirty something years now, if I remember correctly. Uh, wonderful people, by the way. And you know that's the compromise that worked for them. Is it the greatest thing? No. Did did the one that have to sleep in the guest room feel horrible? Yeah. It hurt his feelings every single time. He told me so. This, uh, this story I'm sharing with you comes from him. I, I saw how his heart broke when he just shared bits and pieces of the story. But that was a compromise that they made because they loved each other. They love each other. So they did that. And that's what a relationship's about, that compromise. So don't feel guilty about, you know, having to shut your family, shutting you out. The, the thing that I can say to you is make as many attempts as you feel necessary to show your family that, hey, I'm still here when you're ready to reach out. That way your door is open and they're the ones that have closed that door. And again, I'm so sorry that that happened. And I do hope that you and your partner, who you, who I, I hope you're listening to this episode. I hope you know how much I love you both. And I miss you too. I haven't had a chance to see you recently because you moved further north from where I'm located. And now it's just not as feasible to cross paths anymore. Uh, I love and I miss you both. And the family, my family loves and misses you as well. We were talking about you oh, probably about a month ago now, mid-June, early June. So know that, you know, the Millers love you and wish you the absolute best. When you need a professional who specializes in writing, photography, or web design, contact Tom Slayton. At Tom's website, TomSlayton.com, you'll find brilliant WordPress themes, discounts and links for fantastic online services, and sage wisdom from the master himself, Tom Slayton. TomSlayton.com even features a wonderful eclectic collection of photographs seldom seen elsewhere. Visit TomSlayton.com. That's T-O-M-S-L-A-T-I-N.com. TomSlayton.com. Folks, go show Tom some love. Go to TomSlayton.com. Click on his links. Leave a comment. Share his stuff. Search for a WordPress theme. Whatever you need, go out there and get it from Tom Slayton. This week, we're looking at TomSlayton.com forward slash turn me upside down. It's a picture, and it was weird because the thumbnail didn't make any sense. I couldn't tell what it was. It's a little darker picture than I'm, I've usually seen on his page, but the title caught my eye. So I said, all right, let's check this one out. Turn me upside down. What the hell is Tom talking about on this one? And I pull it up, and lo and behold, it is an old-fashioned, oh, what, 40s, 50s, 60s style? I'm not entirely sure. Fire extinguisher. Uh, if anybody's fans of Back to the Future number one, where uh, they're in 1955 and Doc and Marty are looking at the scale mock-up of, uh, of uh, Hill Valley, the, the courthouse square, 
and they've got the little wind-up uh, car representing the DeLorean, and they're, they got the big one all covered up on the side, and they're talking about putting the, the rod directly into the flex capacitor and driving at 88 miles an hour directly towards the, 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 the piece of wire strung across the street while the lightning hits it, and, you know, the, the end of the movie. They're talking about the end of the movie. And when they're doing that experiment, the car races off the table runs into a bunch of cloth and sets the place on fire. And Doc Brown grabs a fire extinguisher, turns it upside down, and starts spraying water, or what looks like water, on the fire. It's one of those types of fire extinguishers. And it looks like it's been through hell. It looks like it's been dropped a few times. It looks like it's probably been in a fire or two. Now, I'm just looking at the processed picture. I don't know. You know, I have, I'm not looking at the actual thing. It's a processed picture. So it's, you know, hard to say. But it's got so much character to it. And it's sitting in front of a staircase. So it's got the light play on the staircase. And it's got this stone, stone wall uh, on the side as well. So uh, it's just a beautifully crafted photo, and you should go check it out. TomSlayton.com forward slash turn me upside down and tell them Charlie sent you. Twenty jokes so terrible they're actually funny. It was originally published on Tickled.com back in June of 2015. This week, number nine. The Invisible Man Marries the Invisible Woman. Now, believe me, the kids were nothing to look at either. Yes, 20 jokes so terrible, they're actually funny. Secondary topic with a brand new name over on the B-side. This week I'm going to talk about approaching another trans person in public. You know, I titled this in my little notes here, Are You Trans? And that's kind of what it is. You know, I, I was I was out and about one time, and I, I was I was done up. I was in girl mode, as, as I like to say, uh, expressing my feminine side that particular day. And nothing too fancy, just jeans and a t-shirt, because that's the type of girl I am. And I saw, and now I wasn't in the, uh, <laughs> as we call it around here, the gayberhood, because uh, as I'm sure most cities have an area that is uh, uh, more populated with the uh, LGBT communities than not. You know, it's one of those parts of town where if you want to find like-minded people that understand the LGBT community or are accepting of the LGBT community, you go there rather than many other places in the city. Well, we have one of those places too, and it's been fondly dubbed the Gaberhood. So I was not in 
the neighborhood. I was uh, running an errand. Uh, I don't remember what I was doing. I think I was either going to the store or something like that. Can't quite remember, but I was not in the uh, the neighborhood, and I saw. A trans person. Well, I should say I saw what I was pretty goddamn sure was a trans person. And the reason I was pretty sure about it is because they looked as if they were very, very early in their transition. Now, in hindsight, I can look back and say maybe they're gender fluid, gender queer, and expressing that in-between ground. Uh, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that they were trans. I'm just saying my spidey senses were tingling, and I was pretty darn sure they were trans. And that's and early stages of trans, because they still, and this is trans woman, by, by the way, so, so all of you playing at home can follow along. And they still had some very obvious beard shadow. Their hair was uh, very, oh, how can I describe it? Not really done up. Uh, so, so I can explain this to you folks at home, uh, or wherever the hell you are listening to this. <laughs> um, what I mean is their hair. Have you ever have you ever seen a guy, and I do mean a guy, who has longer hair but doesn't do a lot to take care of it? Doesn't brush it regularly. Doesn't really use any products in it. Doesn't do any after shower care. Really, you know, just kind of lets it dry and then hang. That's the style of hair this individual had. It was shoulder length, but it had that look of, I don't know what products to use. And that's the type of hair that this individual had. And then they had a very neutral looking uh, jeans and t-shirt. Well, I shouldn't say neutral looking. The t-shirt had that uh, short you know, quarter cuff uh, look to it. You know, if if you ever look at, you know, quote unquote, universal t-shirts, they have that, that universal cuff, you know, that goes halfway down the uh, bicep tricep area. Whereas uh, definite women's cut t-shirts are a little shorter and, and kind of hang up near the, uh, near the uh, armpit. It, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Well, they had one of those types of shirts, had shorter cuffs, had shorter sleeves, and uh, the jeans were either, you know, the, the tight skinny jeans for, for guys or jeans for women. I, I didn't get a long, hard look, but I did get a look. Uh, shoes, I don't remember, some sort of tennis shoe. And then some sort of uh, easy, nondescript purse. Not, a, not an elegant purse that you would spend a lot of money on. Uh, probably a purse that was picked up at a, uh, uh, one of those uh, low-end stores where they sell a bunch of different things like Target or Walmart or someplace like that where usually the things you purchase are of reasonably priced range. And so the quality follows suit. It's reasonably priced quality as well, meaning instead of lasting you know, five years, it may only last a year or two. So to me, at that moment in time, I was pretty confident that that individual was a trans woman newly out in transition, whether it was the first time out or, you know, first month or first six months, who knows? I, I, that I can't say. Can't say, uh, I, you know, obviously I didn't see any effects of HRT. So if they were on HRT, they had just started because there wasn't that soft, uh, uh, fat that uh, happens during HRT, the uh, the extra fat that happens around, well, all everywhere, the arms, the face, the chin, the cheeks, you know, all of that stuff that happens with HRT for a trans woman. 
and and so it also still had that that harsh strong masculine features about the face i didn't i can't recall if i saw an adam's apple or not but you know the, the, i could still see the harsh features on the face i'm going to leave it at that uh, coupled with the fact that i don't believe uh, she was wearing makeup not that all trans women need to wear makeup don't get me wrong don't get your panties in a bunch you should know me by now that's not that's not my thing i personally enjoy wearing makeup but that's me and that's a handful of other trans women that i know as well but just like regular women just like cis women not regular women that one am i saying just like cis women if you don't want to wear makeup don't fucking wear makeup you don't have to i think it helps I definitely think it helps because, you know, it accents the uh, lashes and pops the eyes and brings the lips, you know, to attention with some color on it, whether it be a bright red or a neutral color or whatever your choice is. I mean, everybody's different. Everybody's different. So, uh, but I don't remember seeing any makeup. So, as I said, I'm pretty darn sure that this individual was a newly out trans woman. And part of me wanted to say... Hey, congratulations for you finding you. But I couldn't because, one, I wasn't in the neighborhood. I wasn't in the LGBT-friendly area where you might expect someone to be able to come up and say hello to you in that nature. But also, even in the neighborhood, I don't know if I would do that because I don't know this individual. Why would I want to out them? Just as I wouldn't want them to out me, you don't walk up to somebody and say, Hey, are you trans? you don't not i mean well certain locations i'm sure it's probably okay you know certain safe areas like uh like the lgbt center in your local city or maybe a popular bar where more trans people hang out rather than the lgb people you know what i mean of course you know what i mean you listen to me you know what i'm talking about but even in those safe havens, those areas where it's okay to be out and proud, you don't necessarily want to walk up to somebody and say, um, are you trans? Because that's just not cool. But I wanted to befriend this person because of, well, just, just who I am. You know, I wanted to say, hey, good for you for finding yourself and expressing yourself. I'm going through the same thing. Look at me. See? We're the same. But I couldn't. So I think, I think we, the trans community, need to have some sort of secret handshake or something. You know, maybe a special flag, maybe a card that we carry in our wallet that we show to somebody, you know, that way, hey, check it out. I'm trans. Are you? You know, just so we can, you know, find each other out there in this vast world of negativeness and get the support from the like-minded people that we are. Just the same as all you listeners that write me and specifically wrote me regarding 92, episode 92. God, my heart was overwhelmed. I was so floored by that response. I mean, see, listen to me. I, I, I'm, it's the next episode, <laughs> and I'm still talking about it. That's how floored I was and how wonderful I think you people are. For listening and responding and so i'm going to say it again thank you but i can't just you, nobody can just go up to a stranger and say that i mean i suppose maybe at a pride festival you could uh as i mentioned before maybe the lgbt center you probably could 
it, it maybe a uh, a bar or not a bar, but a a local hangout, coffee shop, bar, restaurant, whatever in the neighborhood, you know, in those safe areas, there might be a place like that uh, where you might be able to go up to somebody and say, "Hey, um, what's your story? Are you trans?" You know, I mean. Not in those words, because that is rude. I, I realize that as I say it. Don't get me wrong. But you follow me. You know, those are safe areas where it might be okay to be able to approach somebody and say, are you? You know, just as it would, just as, you know, if, <laughs> if somebody that is straight goes into a gay bar, and I mean straight, a straight man or a straight woman, a straight man goes into a gay bar, a straight woman goes into a lesbian bar. I hate to say it, but if you're there, I think it's okay for others to ask you if you're gay or lesbian because you are in their pool. <laughs> you're swimming in there with the sharks, you might say, you know? So if somebody comes up to you and, you know, starts to make a pass at you or something like that, you're in the area where, you know, you got to be aware that that might happen. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So if there's a a, a, a place near you where you know predominantly transgender people hang out and let's just say you're a gender fluid or gender queer person and you're exp- you're expressing you know you're you're feeling free to express yourself in that way and you're in that bar or restaurant or party place or wherever the hell it is coffee shop you know if if you're in that area i think it's okay because it's meant to be for a specific you know, subculture, I'll say, I think it's an okay thing to go up to somebody and say, hey, are you trans? You know, because then on that case, you could obviously say, no, no, I'm gender fluid, I'm gender queer, I'm asexual, I'm, well, hey, in the case of trans woman, in a situation like that, somebody comes up to you, are you trans? And that person is a drag queen, and this is just a safe haven for them to be able to be themselves as without being performing or whatever it is. They could say, no, no, I'm just a drag queen. Or cross-dressers for that fact. A place where they feel safe to go and express their opposite side, whether they're, you know, a female cross-dresser dressing as a male or a male cross-dresser dressing as a female, right? If you're in that area because it's a safe place to be and you get approached... I think that's an okay area to be able to say, hey, are you trans? Are you gay? Are you lesbian? Are you bi? You know, whatever the case may be. But outside of those safe areas, there's no easy way to walk up to somebody and say that. Not without feeling like a prick or a jerk or outing yourself and them. So I say let's get together, all of us here, all of us that listen to this show, all of us get together and come up with some secret handshake, whether it's a double thumb tap or, a, you know, a fist bump to the third degree. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go along, folks. You should know that by now. Stream of Consciousness Podcast, brought to you by my brain. So, so let's come up with a, uh, with a secret handshake, right? So anytime we come across a trans person or what we think might be a trans person... We walk up to them, we give them the secret handshake, and if they don't understand it, we know that they're not trans. If they reciprocate the handshake, ta-da, we're trans, and now we've got common ground to talk about. Hey, what's your journey? What's your story? What's it been like for you? Have you, you know, what's your process? What have you, what have you done? This, that, and the other thing. La-di-da-di-da-di-da. So that's my two cents over on the B-side. 
Listener feedback. <laughs> it's not as intense or an extensive as last episode's uh, uh, listener feedback. It's very quick. It's very short, actually. Only a couple things. Uh, the first one is the survey that I've only briefly spoken about. If you go to uh, the Blogspot page, which I mentioned earlier, and I will mention again later, and what the hell, I'll mention it now, changesinlatitudespodcast.blogspot.com. If you go over there uh, on each of the show notes and on the right-hand side and at the bottom, you're going to see links to a survey, an audience survey. It is a uh, marketing thing. It's nothing I put together. It's part of the uh, website that I use to keep track of the download counts and things. And it's, it's just marketing, folks. That's truly what it is, and it helps the show grow. But there's a spot in there for you to write in your likes and dislikes. It's been a few episodes since I mentioned this, so I'll bring it up again. We've only had one response since the last time, and it was from the 30th of June. Now, these are totally anonymous, so I don't know who this is, but if you went to did, went and did the survey on the 30th of June, this is yours. <laughs> on the likes, it says, one of the few podcasts addressing the tea part of the LGBT experience. Wow. That is powerful. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Few podcasts addressing the tea part of the LGBT experience. And what I'm floored by, folks, is the choice of words. They chose the word experience. Not because of my title of the show. I don't care. That's not it. I, I was trying to be clever when I titled the show. And it works out. But they chose to use, under the likes, the word experience. And it's not, you know, community, it's not lifestyle, it's experience. And that, that means a lot. Thank you so very much for that comment. That's fabulous. Uh, I'm glad that I can, can do that for you. And I'm glad that I'm one of the few podcasts out there, at least in your words, that does address that T part. All right, let's flip over to the dislikes. Again, from June 30th, there is nothing. Wow. So, <laughs> see, I haven't looked at these yet. I just saw that there was, a, you know, one more, and so I said, okay, I'll come back here for the show, and I'll read it the first time. There are no dislikes from the 30th of June, which means whoever wrote that like I just mentioned chose not to write anything under the dislikes. And to me, that's more powerful than anything else. I mean, the only other thing would be the word nothing or none or something along those lines. Uh, which I've gotten in the past, don't get me wrong, I have. Uh, and so to see that there's nothing, that's even more powerful. And since you wrote such a powerful like comment, that means a lot. So whoever you are that did that, thank you so, so very much. And since we're in the audience survey part, another aspect that I haven't really spoken about ever is under the uh, satisfaction category uh, under the survey. And the only thing that I see are the questions, and this is a this is a, a rating thing that you folks do, and it's done by importance and satisfaction. 
And then there's what's called the gap, the difference between the two. And uh, in the way that they work their algorithms and math over here, a negative gap is a strong point, and a positive gap is a weak point. And uh, my and it's out of ten, so my overall satisfaction is a nine point one six. So thank you so very much. I'm glad you're satisfied with that, and that's the overall satisfaction. Uh, the gap scores that I'm looking at, and we're going to look at the positive ones because the negative ones means that things are, are good, but, uh, the audio quality is a negative 0.77. So that's a good thing. Overall quality, negative 0.39, uh, content. And this kind of threw me a positive 0.16. So people are not entirely satisfied with the content. They want something different with the content. And as I've said so many times before in the past, if, if you, whatever the content is, if you want more or something, email me, message me on the Facebook, send me some sort of something so I can get you the content that you are wanting to listen to. The next category is host, and that's a negative 1.6, excuse me, a negative 0.16. Uh, reliability of new episodes, that's a negative 0.55. Length of episodes is a negative 1.06, so people seem satisfied with the length of the episode. Frequency of the episode is a negative 1.02, so people are very satisfied with that. Placement of ads or sponsorship in the podcast, negative 1.84, so that's a great thing. I'm glad that you folks like that and like Tom Slayton. The website design is a negative 1.5 which I was actually surprised at because my website is a blogspot website. And the only reason I do that is because it is, as I've said, I don't know if I've said it on air, but I've said it to people in the past. It's, it's the poor man's way to do a podcast over on blogspot. So I'm glad that you like the web design. It's if you know anything about blogspot, it's very limited with what you can use. And I try to keep it as simple as possible, giving you the, the, the stuff that is needed. You know, the iTunes, the Stitcher, the Amazon, the PayPal, the Facebook link, and what else? Uh, Twitter. <laughs> Twitter is there as well. And then the last thing is website content. And that's also a negative 1.45. So I am so grateful that out of 68 uh, responses to this anonymous survey, what I just went through are the results. And the only one that, quote-unquote, needs improvement is content, which, again, I find surprising because I do what I can to keep it interesting, entertaining, informative, funny, uh, poignant, and random at times. So if, if there's folks, if folks, if there's something out there that you want to hear in the content, please get back to me, changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com. It may not happen in one of the you know episodes right after you send it to me because I got a spreadsheet list of topics and things that I've got all planned out just so I can stay ahead of the game. But believe me, uh, if it's something that you want to hear, it goes into the rotation, and eventually within a few episodes, you will hear it. I promise. Just like my friend today during the main topic. She wrote that to me, I think, about three months ago. And with all the other responses from that, hey, what should I talk about? This is where her topic came in. So again, thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for filling out that survey. If you haven't done it, go check it. Go check it out. Changes in Latitudes podcast at blogspot.com. There's two links. Well, there's three links. 
one on every show note. So every episode show note, there's a link to the to the survey. If you're over on Blogspot using the uh, look at the web page, not the mobile side, you'll see it on the right-hand side and at the bottom. So take about 10, I think it takes about 10, maybe 15 minutes, depending on how fast or slow you are, and take the survey. Our next listener feedback. I am so happy about this one. This one made me so ecstatic when I saw the email. I have a brand new patron. That's right. Yay. Christopher J. I mentioned him early in the episode. He provided this. He's part of this episode. He's the patron of the episode, you might say. Christopher, thank you so very much from the bottom of my heart. I don't, I don't know if my patrons realize how wonderful it is for me to know you're there. Because as of right now, uh, I'm a stay-at-home parent predominantly. Patreon is really my, my own personal source of income. And getting another patron is such a wonderful thing. So Christopher, thank you so very much. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. So, folks, check out Patreon, patreon.com forward slash changes in latitudes podcast. Check it out. Sign up. Uh, the, the best and probably the easiest thing is about $5 a month because that works out to be about a dollar ish an episode, you know, dollar 25 an episode because I, I get them out regularly. And, you know, for a dollar, you know, the, the iTunes uh, cost for most uh, tracks is in 99 cents. And those are music tracks. Those tracks are what, three, four, five, maybe six minutes long, depending. And usually the longer the track, the more it costs, like $1.29. Well, you can be damn sure that I give you at least, at least 45 minutes to an hour every episode, if not more, because I've been trying to give you more, because that's what you folks have been asking for through the uh, audience survey. Huh? 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 Yeah? Aha! Yeah, you have. So I try to give it to you. Christopher, thank you for joining Patreon. It warmed my heart to know that you joined it. So thank you so very much. Well, hot damn, there's the closing show music. We made it. We made it to another end of another episode. We did it. You and me together, we're here. Well, I'm here regardless. I hope you're still here. I hope you're still listening. I hope you haven't fallen asleep on me. And if you have fallen asleep, I hope you rewind and listen to this again. Oh, what a show. What a show. I kind of went off on a few tangents there, but that's the nature of the beast, folks. That's the nature of the beast with the Stream of Consciousness podcast. (laughs) Ah, So, next episode. Next episode, we're going to revisit hair and makeup. Uh, Yeah, a little callback or throwback to episode 34 from way long ago. And that's also an answer to an audience uh, survey, not a survey, audience uh, request. There's audience requests wanting to know more about hair and makeup. So we're going to readdress that not too deeply. I know that, not too deeply. But we're going to talk about that next episode. And remember, I'm always looking for topics. I'm always looking for guests. Send them my way. Changes in Latitudes podcast at gmail.com. 
be sure to check out Blogspot, Changes in Latitudes podcast.blogspot.com. Click on the Amazon affiliate link. Do all your shopping through our Amazon link because pennies on the dollar. Come back and help out the show. And now, as Jimmy Buffett says, if I couldn't laugh, I just would go insane. If we couldn't laugh, we just would go insane. If we weren't all crazy, we would go insane. So, stay crazy, everyone. Take care of yourself. Then, take care of somebody else. And I'll see you next week, right here. been listening to changes in latitudes a transgender experience i'd love to hear from you so let me know what you think or what you'd like to hear about by emailing me at changes in latitudes podcast at gmail.com or by leaving a comment on the facebook page at facebook.com slash changes in latitudes podcast or at the website changes in latitudes podcast.blogspot.com Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and please leave us reviews and star ratings. Now, wait for it. Here it comes. Disclaimer time! Disclaimer time! I am not a doctor nor a lawyer, and I certainly do not pretend to be one. I am a trans woman who began her transition later in life. I am here to discuss my life, so I take no responsibility for your decisions based on my personal thoughts and experiences. If you are thinking about transition or are questioning your gender identity, first, please know that you are not alone in your thoughts and questions. Second, please seek the advice of a qualified gender therapist or at the very least a local support group. If you're having difficulty finding a qualified professional in your area, I suggest reaching out to the closest LGBT center near you. And lastly, please remember, always question the source when researching information on the internet. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permission from the host. Copyright 2016 by me, Charlie Sabrina Miller. Thanks for listening. And now to close the show. And remember...